This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's... Black as midnight on a moonless night. Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. And welcome back, everyone. Here we are. That's it. So, I feel like even though next week is Memorial Day weekend. It sure is, Tom. This weekend is a holiday in and of itself. Why is that? Well, because one of the things that so many of people my age have been waiting for is finally coming back around. Well, look at you just jumping right over everything and getting right to the meat and potatoes. Well, I mean, I could slow up a little bit just to give you enough time to do a you heard if you want. Okay. All right, we'll get into it. This week's You Heard comes to us from St. Nick Ave between 147th Street and 148th Street. And I, I think it kind of goes, you do, you know that place pretty well. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, I know that address. <laughs> I overheard two gentlemen talking, and one of them said, as we get older, we ain't promising shit. Mm. <laughs> and that's this week's You Heard. I feel like it kind of goes with, you know, with a little bit with like what, what, this, what, this, topic what is. this topic is about, which and I feel go like ahead. it Why don't you does just say it? as well, because David Lynch don't give a fuck. And 26 years ago, he said, I'll be back in 25 years. Better late than never. Right. He's a little late to the he's fashionably late to the party with the Twin Peaks reboot. That's that hit Showtime last night. Yes, and even though we're recording this Friday... In the future. <laughs> we're back to the past. <laughs> um, you know, I know for a fact that even if it's awful, I'm still going to like it. Well, I certainly hope it's not awful, because it's like 18 hours long. Well, the whole thing is 18 hours long, not the first episode. Well, no, obviously. like. Although... This being our special Twin Peaks episode, because this literally is my favorite show of all time. All time. Like, you named your son after Kyle MacLachlan, who plays beloved FBI agent Dale Cooper. It's very true. And my daughter not. But that's for my favorite she has, movie after, right. of all time, I would say. Right, but that's not the topic of this conversation. It's not. So <laughs> what is is the fact that Twin Peaks... Finally back after 26 years hiatus, I feel like, you know, there is a case right now for um, yes. Larry David, who's just like going, I don't see what the problem is. I'll get to putting out my next show when I feel like it, considering how long this took to get putting out. <laughs> what, like Larry David coming back with like his Curbed because he was like supposed to return to Curbed? Your, yeah, Curbed he enthusiasm? always says that. He always says he's going to return to Curb. I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. I know you do. But, I mean, this is one of those things where it's just a matter of, you know, I I think they could have had it at the 25-year mark. But there was just so many things that got hung up. And and 
this doesn't even include the actors and actresses and stuff like that who, right. you know, had other commitments and there some are, died. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there were some deaths. And there are actually 217 actors that are going to appear in the new Jesus reboot. Christ, man. That's insane. Yeah. And, like, you, we literally know, like, not a lot, not a whole lot about. Like, David Lynch was, like, very mum about the whole thing. Um, he said... He told Entertainment Weekly that, you know, he loves the world. He loves the people. He knew he wanted to return to this world because, you know, if you don't know anything about Twin Peaks, like it was this like groundbreaking show that aired in like 1990, you know, in the very, very early 90s. It was like one of the first like viral moments, I think, that there was in like entertainment, you know, and it famously shit the bed in its second season when David Lynch like walked away after having a fight with his like co-creator and you know produce he was a producer right like with well, a yeah, co-creator David uh, Mark Frost yeah that and also with the TV station who was you know um, at the time telling him like hey, what listen, to do right yeah you got to wrap up this story because David Lynch's whole thing was to make. Twin Peaks just about the one case for the most part. That's, right. That's what it was going to be. But everybody wanted to know who killed Laura Palmer. How did Laura Palmer wind up in plastic along the river to be found by, you know, Pete or whatever his name was. But that's what kept keep people coming back is the fact that everybody wanted to know. Right. So week after week, this thing just kept building up an audience. And then, the you know, the TV station was like, this is ridiculous, man. Like, we, we need to know, like, right. You know, wrap it up. And then as soon as they did, the whole thing just but shit the bed. I feel like today, you know, in today's world, he would have, like, he's going to be able to tell the story that he wants to tell in as long as he wants to tell it. Because that's a society that we're in now. Like, yes, we want to binge everything and we want to know everything all the time. And you're not going to be able to binge this because he wants you to experience to experience it the way that he wants it to be experienced. So it's like, here's an hour, and then you wait seven days. Here's an hour. Here's yeah. an hour. Like, he wants you to, like, process it and think about it. You know, not just, like, sit there and mindlessly binge like so many do. But I feel like today, like, he would have, if he had made that sh the original today, I think that he would have been able to get away with, like, what he wanted to do. Because... So, like, think about, like, stupid reality television, like, Dancing with the Stars or, like, The Voice, where it's like, hey, tune in tomorrow to see who won tonight's thing, you yes. know? And, like, they continue to, like, every season of every single show, like, how many... Like, I don't know anything about Grey's Anatomy. I've maybe seen like one or two episodes with friends over the years. But like every season I read about it in, you know, my trade magazines and shit that I read. And it's like, oh, my God, a cliffhanger, the big cliffhanger, the big cl like every season. There's a huge cliffhanger. Well, yeah. And but I mean, he basically, I feel like started that where right. it was like the long form show about one thing that just keeps right. going on and on but it was just way it was way ahead of its time, time. Yeah. and it just wasn't ready for it yet yeah absolutely and you know gary levine um who is the president of programming at showtime told the new york times this week that he can't wait to see what twin peaks is going to be like in this social media universe because he says quite honestly i sort of remember it as if it was a social media phenomenon and you know, he said it, it It sort of felt like it was viral in some way back then. And I was very young when this came out. Like, in fact, I was almost too young to have, you know, watched this when I when it was when it was out. Because right. I was like in that very like strange age between like 12 and 13 where it was like I was still a kid. You know, like Britney Spears saying I'm not a girl, but I'm not yet a woman. Like it was too dark. It was too twisty. You weren't quite at the uh, rape, incest, murder phase of your life. But interesting. <laughs> but having said that, interestingly enough, I loved the the um, companion book that came out between seasons one and two, which was called the Secret Diary of Laura the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer, which yes. is like the spinoff that was published in 1990, and it was written by David Lynch's daughter Jennifer, who like worked with Mark Frost and her father to kind of like basically be Laura. Like she was writing it, like she embedded herself and ingrained herself within this life of Laura. And they ended up like using the book as like 
the prop for like the diary because the diary plays like a, a role like during you know the episodes and stuff yes and it was like and I remember reading that book and it was banned by like a lot of people because it had like such graphic content and I loved the book even though like I only knew like bits and pieces about the show because my friends watched it and then they were like told that they couldn't watch it and stuff <laughs> but the book was like extremely graphic and I remember like there were very many sex scenes like because she was like a prostitute and, and things like and into drugs and stuff like that. So like the book was like really like it was something that like I read and reread because it was like that weird period of my life like where you kind of growing up but you're like I don't know. You're and not I was quite there yet. Yeah, well, you I are a nerd. nerd. You are a nerd. <laughs> you still are a nerd. Well, I'll always be. I know. Well you know, one weird thing is, although we are looking very, very forward to it, because, I mean, I know I dragged you on board of mm-hmm. Twin Peaks many, many years later, like, after we had met. Yeah. And um, and it actually took, like, I remember we we watched it when we lived in New York, but we tried watching it when we were together in Pennsylvania, and I was like... Well, that's the thing. Now, here, here, here's... It's an acquired taste. Right. Now... He, there was an article released today, and again, I said it's Friday. On Friday. And um, it was by Vulture, and Vulture had... You love your Vulture? I do love Vulture. And Vulture was saying today how um, the one thing that people don't realize is David Lynch himself and his movies are like a very acquired taste. Mm-hmm. So like just because Showtime is dumping in like a lot of advertising do- dollars, not only in social media, but also for subway campaigns and mass transit campaigns mm-hmm. and such. Um, and people are on board. Like everybody's like, man, I can't wait for Twin Peaks to come out. Vulture's take on it was how many people actually seen the original Twin Peaks and remember what the original Twin Peaks right. was like. Because I remember when I, the very, very first time I watched it, which was the night that it came on TV. Like right. I saw it like the very, very first night it came out. Yeah, I think I did. I think I watched it too because it was such a phenomenal, it was so talked about leading up to the pilot. Yes, but... The thing with it was, is that the first episode, even though it had the death of Laura Palmer, it threw in so many characters and mm-hmm. so many curveballs, and it was an hour and a half long compared to all the other shows, which was an hour, which were an hour long. Right. That by the time it was over, it was kind of like I don't know what I think of this because it was so long and so much to digest. Right. But a lot of people, mm-hmm. it had thirty-five million views that first episode. Okay. Like, that is humongous. Oh, yeah, and when you sure. think about, like, shows now, like, I looked up just very briefly, like, what, like, ratings are now. And, like, one of the most recent that I found from Zap to it was last week was, like, the number one show was NCIS, which is, like, on how many, how many spinoffs does it have? Uh, like a bazillion. How many seasons does it have? 300. And it has, right. We're not experts. All together. <laughs> yeah, we're not experts. We don't even know if it's called NCIS. Like, does anybody even know what NCIS stands for? Like, honestly. Somebody does. Your mom probably knows. She for sure. probably does, Yeah, right. for sure. Right. But go on, you were saying. Yeah. But, you know, like the most, that one last week's ratings, or, yeah, like the two weeks ago ratings, for having like 13 million. Compared to 35 million. Compared to 35 million for a pilot. Twin Peaks. 26 years ago. Of like an Academy Award direct, because he was nominated for an Academy Award, David Lynch. Yes. Right, you know, in like 1986, just a couple years before Twin Peaks premiered. So like it was so, like think about the TV landscape where it was like you had your TV stars and then you had your movie stars. You had your TV directors and you had your movie directors. There was no, he was like the first person to like really go from film to small screen, which now it's like you have humongous stars that are clamoring to get on network TV, to get on cable TV. Like think about Netflix, how TV, Hulu specials right, exactly. And... Like so, think about how like the TV landscape has changed, and how like he was really like way, way, way ahead of his time. Even if you didn't understand or could appreciate at the time what he was doing, well, nobody could really understand everything he's doing. A I don't lot even of know is, how he understands what he's yeah, doing. Well, that's it, <laughs> you know. And and that's the other thing about this upcoming season is that 
too many people these days, I feel like, want, like, like you said, a clean, tight package, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, by the time a show is done wrapping up, they'll wait for the payoff. Right. But they'll take forever. You know, like, but at the end, when it's all said and done, they want it to be wrapped up, which is why I feel like The Sopranos was such a clusterfuck at the end because everything was explained all the way up until the ending, and then they just didn't show it. Right. Oh, I know. I was one of those people that was just like pissed the fuck off because of that yeah well that's that's the thing i invested so many years of my life waiting and waiting between like 18 months between seasons like what are you game of fucking thrones yeah game of thrones could do that in 12 months and they got dragons exactly like the cgi like you're a guy in a house in new jersey right like it's just like plenty of shit locations in new jersey (laughs) that you could shoot in i'm sure like there's plenty of like old hero shops you can like hang out in the back of but, you know, that's what kind of soured the taste for a lot of people is that they concluded it, like, without, like, a real ending. Right. What is happening now is with David Lynch's stuff, there's never necessarily a real, a real, real conclusion to anything that he does. Because there is always something so weird and outlandish about the stuff that he does that... You know, people might turn to this show and be like going, man, I'm really excited for it because I've heard so much about it. And now that it's finally on, I can't wait to see how it plays out. Right. But when they see how it ends, they might look at it and be like, what is this shit? Right, right. Because people want instant gratification. They want endings that they want to have. And like nobody really knows what's going on because... The actors, like the 217 actors that are involved, including, you know, a huge slate of returning actors from the original show, which is so strange to see these people that we've that have been immortalized, you know, now they they they're really 25 years. So it's like, how are you going to take us from like, where were you these last 25 years? And there's thousands and thousands of theories and stuff like that. But the only person who besides David Lynch and I assume Mark Frost, but who's to know, you know, I'm assuming that those two got to, you know, know exactly what's going to happen with the story and maybe the guys from, you know, Showtime itself. But like the only actor that got to see the entire script yeah, was Kyle MacLachlan, who plays Dale Cooper. And he read the entire script alone in a room with a quote, big pot of coffee End quote, which is just, you know, hilarious because that is like, you know, uh-huh. the whole reason that like Dale Cooper kind of like lives his coffee and his pie, um, you know, but he told that's what he told the New York Times is that like he read it alone in a room and then he had to leave the script in the room when he left. So he is the only actor who knows exactly what's happening, which is cool because I mean. He's the key. He, he he's really the is. fabric. Like, and if they couldn't have gotten him, it wouldn't have made sense to even continue. Really, yeah. And of course, in the movie "Fire Walk with Me," mm-hmm. which was the movie that came out after the TV series, kind of like end. almost as a thank you, right? To like, or kind of like as a like, we're sorry that we like shit the bed in season two. In the yeah. Back so here's like a little bit of backstory about right. Laura Palmer it's that the last we could have life. kind of flashed back to during yeah. the seasons if we were going to have more seasons, and but. What was never to be. Um, they tried other agents. I mean, I think Harry Connick Jr. was in it. David Bowie was in it. And mm-hmm. it was kind of like, it wasn't the same. Like, the right. only person that can pull off the story of Twin Peaks is Kyle MacLachlan. Right. Who, you know, I, I never knew anything about him. I never saw Dune. I never, the only, the first, like, I knew who he was. You know, I, I, like, recognized his face and things like that. But, like, I never saw him in anything before Sex in the City. Like, when he was, when he played the flaccid in, you know, in more ways than one, um, Trey, who was, like, you know, the husband of Charlotte, one of the characters, Charlotte. You're asking me if I know? No, or you just saying, saying hypothetically, no, saying, like, just throwing it out there? No, like, you no, know. he was a very flaccid, let's just say, you know, character. Okay. So it was like interesting for me to be like, wow, this is kind of like what because I always kind of thought that he was kind of like that. And then it's like he's so funny, like when you see him on Portlandia and then when, you know, we watched Twin Peaks, like he is incredible. And on social media, he's delicious on social media. 
Well, here's the thing. You mentioned Dune. Mm-hmm. Now, also according to the Vulture article that I had read today, um, they were saying the last time David Lynch was given this much money and complete creative control was when he did Dune. <laughs> and that wound up being a complete train wreck of a movie. Disaster. It really was <laughs> horrific what happened to Dune. Now, a little bit of backstory on Dune was... Um, Did you tell? Yodorowsky mm-hmm. was planning on making Dune. Right. And he is also along the same genre as David Lynch as far as like, kind of like... When you say art house movie, these are the names that you exactly. think of exactly. Yodorowsky and Lynch and, you know, you're, you're yeah. not thinking about cinema. You're thinking about visual more than you are about story, let's just say. Because I mean, like, yeah, like, Yod- Yod- how do you say it? Yodorowsky. Yodorowsky's, like, vision for Dune was, like, I, I, I remember watching there was, like, a documentary about, like, it's called Yodorowsky's Dune. And it's about, like, you know the process of him trying to get Dune made the way that he wanted based on like the book Dune. And the, he had this like storyboard book. I think it was, Oh, it was ridiculous. That was like feet, like thick, like two feet thick. Yeah. And just pages and pages and pages and pages. And I think there's only like one or two of them that are like in existence. Yeah, and because it was back, it wasn't getting published. It was just for his own research and stuff like that. And he went around and he was in the process of trying to acquire, um, you know, actors for the for the film. Mm-hmm. And he went to David Bowie for that. He went to um, Salvador Dali. Oh, my God, yeah. To get him to act in it. And if it would have worked out, Salvador Dali would have been the highest paid actor in any movie of the time to appear in that movie. But, you know, and it wasn't even a huge part, but Yodorowsky was, you know, that was his vision. That's what he wanted. And it got to the point where he was finding people like um, H.G. Geiger, who, you know, wound up doing like all the conceptual artwork for the Alien movies over the years and stuff. And, I mean, he he found him and said, you know, like, do me some illustrations for Dune. And when you look at some of those you know, some of those storyboards and stuff, you're like going, man, what a different movie it would have been if he would have made it. And it would have included Orson Welles. It would have, yep. And music by um, Pink Floyd as well. Yeah. Like, it just would have been this, like, crazy, crazy thing. Oh, yeah. It would have been, it would have been just, it would have been like his breakout, breakout Mm -hmm. movie. Because, like, most people don't know, like, you know, El Topo and... You know, Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain. Just, you know, they're weird movies that aren't but like necessarily known by the mainstream. But if you're in New York, you know, on any given weekend at any like month, you can go to the IFC Film Center in the West Village and you could see a number of Yodorowsky's movies because they're always playing him at midnight on the weekends. Yeah, they usually got something special for the weekends yeah dealing and with a him, lot of but... david lynch like they were they, they do a lot of david lynch as well because his movies just make for such good like nighttime entertainment like well it's weird you know what it is it's it's still more of like a thinking person's movie yeah because you're not you're not being spoon-fed dialogue and being told like all right this is the story because we're narrating the story to you like you actually have to look at the visuals to see right and you know, with Dune, I mean, I feel like Lynch was kind of put up against a wall when he made Dune because it wound up being that Yodorowsky got kind of out of control with it, with, you know, the ambition and, like, the budget he was right. looking for and, like, the amount of time it was taking him to do anything. And he was taking, um, you know, like, he was taking, like, creative liberties with the story that Frank Herbert wrote in the 1965 novel that was like the inspiration for for the film so it just kind of like nobody was willing to fund his movie anymore because it was just getting to be this like epic thing that just could not come to fruition yeah it got out of control so the movie studio did what you know they do when they want to save money and they went to another director and it wound up being David Lynch and they were like okay you make this movie there right. was not a lot of prep time for him to go about it they didn't have 
you know, a lot of Yodorowsky's notes, most of that stuff stayed with him, mm -hmm. which he still has to this day. And, you know, Lynch was basically just given this information and told, here you go, do something with it. So not very fair, but just the way it worked out. However, a movie that Lynch did not get burnt on, but wound up being kind of halfway taken by, you know, the mainstream audiences as good and the other half as what the hell was that yes go on was Mulholland Drive you love that movie I loved Mulholland Drive but you know my and what's weird is is that I know a lot of people who've seen it who was just like too weird too abstract just too many too much symbolism in it as opposed to like a movie like you had to think way way too much right yeah but I think it is my mom's favorite David Lynch movie <laughs> How do you know it's your mom's favorite David Lynch movie? Because she want, she used to say all the time, like, can you recommend a movie for me to watch over the weekend or whatever? And I used to collect DVDs. Oh, I know. I have tons of DVDs. Sitting in their basement, which they're itching for you to get rid of. Don't bring it up because you're just going to make it worse. But my mom. My mom. She asked. She was like, oh, and you have something that we can watch over the weekend? And I said, this is weird. This is good, whatever. I gave her like three choices. She picked Mulholland Drive. She watched it and she was just like, oh, my God. She goes, it was so good. And I was like, wow, I'm surprised that you liked it as much as you did. And she talked about it for a few weeks after really? that. Really? Yeah, because she kept saying, she goes, I can't believe like how good that movie was. And it's surprising because it starts off like, oh, you know, like a regular movie where you're like, I'm going to be able to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And then like halfway through is they start bringing in like midgets and, you know, and like this weird box yeah. with lights in it and just, you know. Like I love watching a David Lynch movie. Like, I think that they're they're beautifully shot. I mean, even if you go back as far as Eraserhead, which I think was his first movie, right? I believe so, yes. Yeah, I mean, I saw that, like, a bunch of times because my friends and I went through this very weird period and we just, like, <laughs> watched Eraserhead so much and it's so messed up. Like, it's just so weird. But, like, I don't remember... Like, I remember moments speak to me from, you know... David Lynch movies like se like just a scene will just like haunt me and like the scene that haunts me from Mulholland Drive is when she's in the bed and the per that like corpse is like next to her and like that just like stayed in my like mind for so long because the body was so like decomposed and like frightening that like I just like it just stayed with me like he just like gets under your skin. But I think that's his whole thing. Oh, I know. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it's just like I, because of moments like that, I've seen, we've seen probably most of his catalog together because he's like your, one of your favorite filmmakers. So mm -hmm. it's like, but I don't remember the entire movies. I don't remember, like, I couldn't tell you what it's about. Like, I just remember those like beautifully shot poignant scenes that like just kind of stick with me. I know that. You know, most directors, their job is to kind of tell a story through, like, visuals and dialogue. I feel like with Lynch, though, he's not really a director, more of, like, an artist where he tries to evoke emotion through mm -hmm. visuals and music. Because the music is His more... His music is amazing, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely more, you know, dealing with the story than, than the actual dialogue itself a lot of yeah. times. Like, he can make silent movies and you'd still be kind of drawn yeah. to them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. But, and he, I remember when I was a music reviewer, he, one of his, like, experimental albums came across my desk and was like, hey, you want to, like, review this? And it was like, yeah, definitely. And I think it was like, it was after we met, I think, because it was like, so it was like 2010, 2011, and it was like six or eight songs. Like it was just like a real like short little niblet of this. And it was just like, wow. Like it was very trippy. Did you own the Twin Peaks soundtrack when that came out? No. Cause like I said, like I wasn't. Never like, at any point though. Did you like download any of the songs or anything like that? No. You see, I downloaded the soundtrack after the first season was over. They released the soundtrack of it. And you could download back then? Or you downloaded it, like, at a later time? I got a copy of it. 
Okay. <laughs> I got a copy of the album. Anyway, um, it's so strange. It's like one of those albums, though, that if you listen to it in a suburban area, it's a total turnoff. But if you're driving through the woods, right, it, it just blends with it. It's kind of like you know how to like the certain soundtracks you can listen or certain bands you can listen to while walking through Central Park, and other ones you could put on and you're like, oh, this just does not fit no, with yeah, the environment exactly. that I'm exactly, in. Exactly. Yeah. His his music is so like mood stricken that you have to be in the right environment, right, mentally and physically, right. So. I don't like. Did it have like other songs, or was it all just like made for the, the TV song. show? No, it, it was just the whole thing. It yeah. was just like the. <laughs> That's the whole thing, and then it ends, and then it starts again, just like Sixteen Candles, Nightmare from Last Week. What the fuck, man? No, that's not it. It, it was other songs on it because it was like songs they played in the bar when they went to like you know oh the double R. Instead of. Instead of um, Mario Mario Lopezing, we're gonna just start sixteen candling everybody. Oh, good lord, <laughs> that's just repeating the same thing over and over again, as opposed to just interrupting. Um, you know, the other movie, like, because again, like, not everybody when it came out liked Twin Peaks. Right. Yeah. Not everybody's gonna like it this time because it's gonna be weird. Like, I and and I know this is coming out, you know, the day after it airs, but I am willing to bet that. It's not going to be a straightforward like, hey, you know, all of a sudden Lynch is going to come out and say, I'm not going to make an art movie. I'm I'm waiting for this big budget to make something that makes sense. Like he's right. not going to. That's not him. Yeah. It's just not, some of it's just not going to make no, sense. No, and like it's going to take all 18 episodes, if not more. So, I mean, there's 18 episodes for you to chomp on. That's all. So lot. chill out and just hunker down. Yeah. And some of his movies even though I love them, they do feel long. Like I said, the very first Twin Peaks episode that I saw was an hour and a half long. And and it's twisty. Like, he takes you on these twists and turns. Like A lot of people just say, I'm out. Like, yeah. I don't want to invest that much time and that much energy into thinking, especially now with so many TV shows that come out where it's just so mindless. It's just so much easier to turn on, you know, like some kind of mindless shows like, you know, sure. your favorite Two Broke Girls. I know Shut you love that up. so that much. That is your favorite show. It's not my favorite, but I have been kind you of into it, it lately. You're the I one don't know that what's rules, going on with it. You're the one that rules the remote. So I don't. If it was up to me, we would be sitting quietly reading. That's why I rule the remote. Because <laughs> you don't want it. But, you know, if you are a fan of David Lynch and you like Twin Peaks... And, you know, again, I don't know what the new episode is going to look like because it doesn't come out until, you know, tomorrow's tomorrow. Yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Depends where you are on the timeline. I feel like we should just be like a sci-fi podcast really at this should. point in time because of everything that happens. It's hard to keep up with the dates. We need a big calendar on the wall so we can keep referring to it like, oh, well, this is You're what the show You're not going to follow like. it because I try to – I brief you before the show saying – Let's not talk about any of these things or this holiday that's coming up that's not going to be part of the show. And you just blow right into it. Too much math. It's too much math to think <laughs> you just don't ahead like to and listen. back again. Well, you... that goes without saying. Of course, I don't like to listen. But geez, Louise. But um, what I'm thinking is. Such a nerd. But um, what the hell was it? If you like Twin Peaks, one of the movies that I feel closest relates to Twin Peaks, like has that Twin Peaks feel, but is like an older David Lynch movie. The vibe. The vibe? Like the Twin Peaks Oh, yeah, vibe. yeah. I was like, wait a minute. Is there a movie I didn't hear about? What the hell's the vibe? But no, no. You're talking about the feeling, the vibe. Yes. yes. Would be Wild at Heart, which also has one of your favorite people, Nick Cage, in it. <laughs> you love Nick Cage. Man. I love to hate Nick Cage. Like, if there's a movie of Nick Cage, like a Nick Cage movie on, like, there's a good chance that we're gonna just yeah, we park. We're with gonna them, we're for gonna sure. park. Yeah, we're gonna park, and I might whip out like the Twitter feed to just live tweet some of the shit that he says. I mean, Wicker Man was just a fount of things for me to complain about. It's fascinating. Like, he is fascinatingly bad. He is, but the but Lynch gets these weird characters, and he is like perfect for that world. Oh yeah, because he just fits in as like somebody so yeah. bizarre when he's you know when he's not on Con Air. Oh my <laughs> god, I loved that movie though. Not gonna lie, but Wild at Heart. I mean, 
seriously has it wild at heart has like one of the best like characters that um ever was played by willem dafoe in bobby peru to jack rabbit where he plays one of the assassins. I mean, and and there's a bunch Willem of assassins does, yeah. in the movie, but, yeah. and they are all very, very yeah. weird people. But that Willem Dafoe character is frightening, like, how well played he is. I don't remember it, to be honest. I'm so sorry. Oh, he's so I do weird. love a Willem. I love Willem Dafoe. Oh, it, it's maybe, like, my favorite character of his that he plays out of all all Willem Dafoe characters. Really? Absolutely. It is just such a bizarre performance from him. But the whole movie is so bizarre that it just feels like it just flows with everything. But that's what, you know, that's exactly what Twin Peaks was right. like. Like everybody looked normal on the outside, but they were all pretty much broken on the inside. And that's, I think, for people who stuck with Twin Peaks, the most relatable part of it was that like going, you know... It basically foreshadowed what social media was, where everybody just puts on their best face and they're all like, oh, my life is normal and everything is good. And you only see the good shit that comes out. Exactly. And like, that's why it's like, oh, my, it's so shocking that like Laura had this like double life. But if you dig into anybody's life, they're not who you think they are. No, never. But if you just went by social media, you would say like, oh, and man, these people have the perfect lives. Like, I want that job. I want, you know that vacation i want you know be it that show or that restaurant whatever right yeah because you're only seeing the good parts that's a perfect and that that kind of goes back into what the director not what the director like the president or whatever of showtime said was like it was like it was it was as if like we were having that social moment with like you know 20 some years before social media or like you know almost 20 years before the social media was even a thing yeah you know so i mean like that definitely was like yeah i mean that's a great analogy to put that thank you (laughs) (laughs) but i think you always knew that leo was a piece of shit like from the moment you saw leo you knew if you scratched the surface you were just getting your hand dirty pretty much but then you got like you know Leo though. but like all the kids i mean were typical you know typical kids but you don't see that so much on tv like maybe roseanne was like the first show where it was like going okay this is like the portrayal of a broken family a broken well they weren't broken they were just broken just (laughs) broke but i mean you know like they were imperfect yeah and i mean we used to i remember watching roseanne like because it was on like when we had like dinner together as a family and like for years I don't know how we did it but we had dinner every night together as a family like which was just so odd to me because my parents owned a business like a restaurant so it was like how are you like I don't understand how that worked but like I remember family dinners and we would always have like the TV on so it was like Night Court or the Cosby Show and then like for a while it was like Roseanne and like it just was like, oh, my God, like the mom that like just rags on everybody and then like the dad that's just like, you know, let's just whatever. And then like it just was like a real family. Like it was just the first portrayal of like just like, hey, man, there's shit piling up over here. Who gives a shit? Like, but we're happy together. We love each other. And like I that's what I love so much about Roseanne. Like I will never not like if I ever saw it on TV, like I would always stop on it. It reminds you of home. It doesn't not just it's just like it's just funny like it's it's such a funny underrated show. But what's so weird is if you change the background music, it's basically the same kind of uncomfortable feeling because they dealt with the same uncomfortable a lot of the same uncomfortable yeah, issues. Yeah. I mean, Twin Peaks. There are so many funny parts in it, but I think like people, I mean, who know the show yeah. know like this is David Lynch's dark humor. You can yeah. laugh at that. But, you know, if you never watched the show before, you'd be like, oh, man, this is inappropriate. If you watched Roseanne, you know it's a comedy because of the laugh track, the music, right, or whatever. Right. But if you played like Strip a... that away. Yeah, if you take all that away and just played like a dark kind of... It would be a drama, track, yeah. Yeah, totally it would be a drama every episode. But, you know... Yeah. I feel like there's definitely a comparison there somehow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just... A different side of America, a different side of human nature, of human. I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> okay. I don't know, but when you say like the typical that they were like the typical teenagers, like 
I was a very nosy person. Like, as you all know, like, I'm not called nosy Nikki for nothing. That's true. But <laughs> I just, like, I don't, like, I was not the level of, like, a Donna Hayward. Like, she was yeah, just such a busybody. We all know somebody like that growing up. Like, it better, I hope it wasn't me. We all know James. <laughs> we all know Bob. Like, we, we know those people. Grow, like, and everybody see, has like, those characters in real life. I don't know, because James, like, like James was always, like, a, like, there, he was always, like, very off-putting to me. Because it was, like, nobody is that broody. Like, just stop. They are. They are. It depends on what group you hang out with, though, too. You know what I mean? If you hang out with a bunch of upbeat people, you're not going to be, you know, running into the James character in your circle. But I ran with, like, a, everybody. Like, I was always bouncing around with, like, different types of people. So, like, there was never that, like, broody... Well, I feel like if you hung out with some Morrissey fans in your life, you would be like, going, oh, yeah, those are the James characters. <laughs> like, they're all sitting there together. They're all going to get on, like, their old motorcycle one day and just disappear. And maybe they killed themselves or maybe they're an Internet billionaire at this point in time. Nobody knows. <laughs> but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I mean, it is interesting how they are on the West Coast and so close to, you know, to be in, like, by San Francisco and stuff with. So is that where you think James is? James I don't know. Went and became would, a tech giant. I'd like to think that like he got his shit together and moved along. That's what I would like to think. Well, he has a shaved head, according oh. to uh, the few set photos that we have um, that I saw in Entertainment Weekly um, a couple months ago. But yeah, like he has like a shaved head. He looks very intense, so I'm assuming he'll be equally as broody as he was. So I'll be. I, I'm very interested to see like where everybody is and like. How it starts, like how they come out of the gate. Like, I'm really looking forward to that. Well, we will know in just a few hours, and everybody will know by yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome to our timeline. <laughs> so, um, how about we get into a roly-poly-rorty and wrap up this show? Let's do it. All right. Roly-poly-rorty. And here we are in Rolly Poly Rorty. Just like that. Just like that. It just happens. We just walk through the door and there we are. <laughs> so, trying to eat a little bit healthier. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely trying to eat a little bit healthier. It's It makes me a little bit nervous, the fact that um, over the last two weeks, I kind of strayed away from, like, a healthier diet, you know, and I've been saying, like, Okay, instead of just having chicken, I'm going to have a chicken sandwich and add bread to it. Or instead of, you know, cutting my burger in half, I'm just going to sit down and eat it. And when I don't feel full anymore, I'm going to try to put it away. And then I wind up getting an extra two bites or three bites in more than I should. So I'm trying to be like, okay, if I'm going to have something that I know is a big portion, I'm going to break it up before I eat it and try to get back on track. Because... I don't know how you can eat, you know, a bunch of cookies and cakes and bread and still lose a pound. But somehow you did it. (laughs) Somehow I did it. But that's weird, though, man. And it makes me a little bit nervous because I'm like going, I don't know if I really deserve to lose a pound this week. Like, I kind of should have been shown, like, maybe an addition of a pound or two the way I've eaten. So it's kind of like, I don't know if everything is going right at this point in time. So at least try to eat healthier in the process yeah to justify it yeah i feel like i've been like really like binge eating like i've been really on the binge lately well i feel like there's been like a lot going on like just in general in this house yeah it's been like a very high stress area for a little while yeah and i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that you know well little tyler durden's going to prom tonight graduation is coming up like in four weeks we don't know like if she's you know, moving out, moving to the dorms, staying with. We don't know if we're moving down, you know, closer to our jobs or whatnot. I mean, like, it seems like there's a lot of balls yeah, in the a air lot, right Yeah, now. there's a lot going on. And my job function changed, so it's, like, really crazy busy. And it's, like, exciting, but it's scary. And, you know, there's <laughs> lots of stuff going on. And it's just, like... I just feel like the only thing I can control is like stuffing my face. And instead of controlling it on the good side, I'm controlling it really, really badly by not controlling it at all. And I'm having these like, oh, let's lay in bed and watch TV and I'm going to eat like 10 Twizzlers. And, you know. But the Twizzlers are at least 
not as bad as some of the other shit we wind true. up bringing into. No, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. But like, I just find that like, I really need to like make an effort. Like I saw myself in the mirror and I'm just like, I'm completely round. Like, and I just need to change. But that. you're really not. Okay. It's just how we perceive ourselves. Well, I don't think the mirror is going to lie to me. I think it's your perception. It's like when I look at myself in the mirror and I don't see that much of a weight loss. And then like other times I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like, I can't believe I have a collarbone because yeah. I haven't had a collarbone in so long. And then I'm like, going, okay, so I lost weight in, you know, at my collarbone and nowhere <laughs> else. Like, like I just make these weird justifications. I'm sure you're doing the same thing. It doesn't matter what people say. That's your perception of yourself. And that's something that you're going to have to like work through. Right. But um, we do tend to binge, and I would say our saving grace, as far as the binge eating stuff, has been the um, the Birchbox stuff we've been getting. Yeah, yeah, we um, not Birchbox. <laughs> That's makeup. Oh. We, we've been eating makeup. <laughs> well, I like a good lipstick once in a while. If I can get like a green apple flavored or cherry red, <laughs> I like to suck on the eye, bl- like the uh, the eyelash. The mascara. Mm. I screwed up my little saying. Like, shows you what a girl I am. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, there's eyelash mascara? There might be. All right, then. <laughs> but yeah, we we get Nature Box. Nature Box. And we actually got it because when we went to Minnesota to cover uh, the Red Bull crashed ice in St. Paul, we were on a Delta flight and they gave us like this delicious little apple cinnamon Co- like yogurt covered granola bar and it's we so just so little too it's so little and for it's perfect for Tom's tiny tummy and it's good like it's you know it's good for you it tasted amazing like it's one of the best granola bars i think i've ever had in my life Definitely. and i have eaten a shit ton of like fudge covered <laughs> you know and it's it's just so good so we have they gave us like a, like it said like on the package like oh you get like a twenty dollar twenty dollars off or whatever so for your birthday I ordered them and it was like oh my god it's actually like from a snack service called Nature Box so every two weeks we get a shipment of like these and like you know we mix it up a little bit and we get like yogurt covered pretzels and like it's all just like stuff that's like packaged in like normal packaging but like it's a little bit smaller portions definitely smaller yeah, portions yeah it's definitely like smaller portions but like it's good for you like. Instead of getting like a huge binge, because like I'm a salty, like I crave salt and sweet at all times. So like we had these pretzels that were like amazing. And like, it was just like a good portion to have instead of getting like a big, huge bag of like ruled gold and then like eating my whole way through it. Right. But you know what I would say is that since you know that it's only coming every two weeks, if you like something, you tend to be like, oh, and I don't want to finish it off right away because I have to make it last two weeks. Where when we get something from the store, I'm like, fuck it. I can just go to the store and pick up more of this once I, like, finish it. So, yeah. like, you know, I think it that's... Slows us, it makes it special. Like, it makes right. it more special because it's like, oh, we can't get this at, like, our store because it'd be, like, so much more expensive or they wouldn't have that kind of stuff in our neighborhood stores. Right. Like, the Twizzlers, I feel like we go through a lot of them because we know we could just go down the block and get like another thing of Twizzlers. It's not a big deal. And he ate a thing of jelly beans, an entire thing of jelly beans. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you know, if you're a snacky person and you finish up bariatric surgery, then I would definitely say nature box is a good way to not only keep your portions low when you feel like snacking, but it's also the way to spread out and like make snacking somewhat special. Yes, and also make smarter choices when it comes to snacking. So, like, if you're a person like me who craves, like, a mouthful of, you know, pretzels and salt, then you could have these because we got, like, honey. I know you didn't like them as much as I did, but, like, the honey Dijon pretzels, and, like, they're, like, bigger pretzels. And, like, so it's, like, you can't eat, like, a ton of them in one sitting because, like, they're so flavorful and, like, they're kind of big to chew on because they're, like, almost like a nugget, like a nugget of a pretzel. Right. Like like when you get peanut butter filled ones. Yeah, they're like that like. size. And yeah. like it was just like the flavor was just like so good. And you do make it last because it is so good. Like you don't want to like, like you want to enjoy it. Yeah, like we had blueberry yogurt covered pretzels, which mm. I don't even like blueberries. No, because, you don't. Uh, but man, they were so good. And 
the bag is so small. Like, we seriously, we made that thing last for so long. I think last night we finished the last two pretzels. Yeah. But just the <clears throat> fact that we saved two pretzels in a bag to have another As a day special occasion, yeah. Is kind of surprising for you and I because usually we would look at that and just be like, why are we going to save two pretzels? Right, yeah. <laughs> we would just be like, all right, there's only two left. Let's get them off the counter and stuff. But yeah, like, you, it makes you like want to savor it and be like, ooh, this is like just a special little handful to have here and here and there. Yeah. And we've gotten like dried fruit, which was really good. Like their pineapple, like they have a dried pineapple. That is, really that good is ridiculous. Cause it's like <laughs> and like when you read the ingredient list, it's like it it literally has one ingredient and the ingredient is pineapple. Yeah. There's no sugar, there's no there's nothing. Like it's just pineapple dried. Yeah, man, definitely And like they're chewy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's like pineapple gum almost it is like pineapple gum oh if only that's the thing that'd be so delicious it would be all right so is that all you got there roly-poly i think that's it and i know what we're going to talk about next week Ooh. but i'll save it okay i'll save it so um yeah let's outro music and outro show ah well that's all we got, I guess. That's it. So happy Twin Peaks weekend to you all. Hopefully you've had a chance to watch it and enjoyed it. And some of you will complain about it and be like, oh, and I can't believe you promoted the show before you even had a chance to watch it. But I'm just going by what was once past, my yeah. favorite. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever. So if you want to complain about anything, please feel free to write to us. I know a lot of you aren't shy. Um, mm -hmm. Our email address is highregardshow at gmail.com. And you can learn more about us on our website at highregardshow.com. And you could always follow us on social media and get behind the scenes nuggets of fun. <laughs> from our late night antics to quotes from the show. Because there are some funny quotes in each show. We know we try to be funny. I mean, we are comedy, I guess, at the core. I guess. But you can always find us as High Regard Show. Very easy. Very easy. So thank you all for listening, and we will see you again next week. May the odds be ever in your favor. Good night. Damn fine cup of coffee.